and I forgot I did record this for my people at work. So don't mind me, it's just me on it. So again, you're gonna any tools that resonate with you guys throughout the workshop, anything that I might say or don't say that you think of as your tools that you feel no matter how big or how small, put them into your tool bag. So does everyone have a couple that they've written down so far? Perfect. You guys have all just completed the first step of the well-balanced parent diet. Congratulations. Give yourselves a little pat on the back, a little small round of applause, whatever you like. So, you're probably wondering, what the heck is this workshop? I'm probably confusing. I gave you guys colorful paper bags, pieces of paper, it told you to write stuff down as tools. Um, yes, more tool bags. So, you're probably thinking a well-balanced parent diet. Are we going to talk about nutrition, food, gut health, things like that? Because that's where your mind goes when you hear the word diet. Same. However, the well-balanced parent diet is how you care for your mind, body, and soul as a parent and the tools you need to, need to do so daily. So, now I want you each to take another one or two pieces of paper. Write one to two things that you want to improve on that aren't your best tool, so they probably be a little bit smaller. They're not your biggest ones, they're ones that you may need to improve on. And again, your discretion. I would probably put for me, I could probably yell a little bit less, maybe. Sometimes I yell, my voice raises. But my voice also carries naturally as well. I'm also a coach on my third time when I'm not working, so I, I get loud. Very easily. So, once you guys have those, just put those in your bag. So, the first part here, and some of this might sound very similar to our team or our speaker that we had earlier, Mr. Greg. Yes. So, some of this could sound very similar. So, the first part, and one part that's really important to me, is asking yourself why. As parents, we ask our kids, why a lot? Why did you do that? Why did you color on the wall? Next time I see my two-year-old, I got to ask her why she used Expo marker in the bathroom to color on the cabinets. That's personal, though. Um, but it's important for us as parents and us as individuals to ask ourselves, why? Why am I yelling right now? Why am I talking? Why am I getting frustrated? And when's the last time that you asked yourself why personally? Why am I feeling this way? When's the last time you checked in with yourself? Why am I angry? Why am I mad? Why am I sad? Why am I stressed? And so on and so forth. So, I want you guys to put in, take another piece of paper. Yes, lots of paper shredding and lots of paper tearing. It's fun. You have to use a hand here. Uh, and just write, write the word why on it. Just the word why. Is it big or small? Big or small, completely up to you. Personally, for me, I would put a big why because I like to know why I do things. I like to understand myself. So I personally, I start questioning myself, why aren't, you, why aren't I where I want to be? Why am I yelling? And I keep digging deeper until I can't dig anymore. Until I get to the bottom of it. That's a lot of self-reflection. That's what I do with the youth and families I work with as well. I work in the WISE program at Free Reverse Therapy in Kenwood. So we serve at Franklin County, and I'm a care coordinator, and also a CPC as well. So I like to get to the bottom of why families and fears are feeling, why they're feeling. Why does that frustrate you? Okay, tell me more about that. Why, why do you feel that way? And just really dig in. Um, it also helps fill up that fillable time that I need to hit as well. Jokes, jokes. Um, 
But for me, when I learned to start asking myself why a lot more, I began to live with more intention in a lot of different areas of life. Everything was more intentional because I knew why I was doing it, or why I wanted to do it, or why I wasn't doing something that I may have previously done before. Um, and you get to access these areas where you might care too much. Um, there's another word that I used before here, but why do I care so much? Am I caring too much in this area? Am I caring not enough in this area? Am I overcommitting more of the cares I have to these different things? So you can ask yourself why you be more intentional with where you place your care and your energy. Because your energy is very important. You have to put it into a lot of different aspects of your day-to-day -day life. Um, the next one here is when you feel down, inadequate, or maybe your family you feel like you're not enough. Anyone else feel like that with kids and their parenting on a regular basis? I know I do. All the time of the day. Um, so on top of asking yourself why, but it's also know that it's okay to check in with yourself and ask yourself, am I okay right now? Am I good? What do I need? Do I need to talk to someone? My three favorite things and my fiance absolutely hates it is do you need some space, do you need to talk, or do you need a distraction? Those are my three favorite things to ask myself, ask her, ask my kids, ask my peers I work with, or ask even friends and family. Do you need a distraction? Do you need to talk? Or do you need some space? Very simple, three choices, one answer from that. Let's see. Um, and we are asking yourself if you're okay right now, the likely answer is maybe you're not feeling okay right now, and that's okay. Don't bury those feelings, don't run from them, and don't keep them out of distance. You have to own them. Um, after my divorce a few years ago, I heard this really great. Oh yeah, I'm also divorced. Um, I didn't precursor that at the beginning, but um, I heard this really great talk. It was by Will Smith of all people. It was free Chris Rock clapping. Um, remember that. Um, but it was really just saying who's going to whose feelings are they? Are they the persons who hurt your feelings? Is it this other person's feelings, or whose responsibility are your feelings? Are they the person who wronged you? No, I wish they were. That'd be great to get apologies from someone else, or to make someone else to apologize to you for what they did. Likelihood that ever happens, slim to none. Um, there is a chance, but it's not always gonna happen. So we have to own our own, our own feelings. Just like we own our cars, our home, our clothes, the underwear we're wearing, all those different things, we own them. And we take care of them. And we own those things just like we make a mistake, we own the mistake, just like we expect our kids to do the same. To own their mistakes and to own their feelings and to learn how to work through them. And again, it goes back to being intentional. And it's okay if you aren't okay, you're struggling and whatnot, but it's important to remember that part of the ownership is talking to someone, taking that space, getting a distraction, processing them. Um, and remember that if it, if it comes down to you needing to enroll into a program or find services or get services or use services, then that's okay because it's, and this is one of my favorite things, it ain't weak to speak. To speak up for yourself, to advocate for yourself, to talk for yourself. So, let me grab some water real quick. Okay, I'm really thirsty. Karen, you didn't want me.
So the next part of the well-balanced parent diet here is taking small steps. And one of my favorite things when it comes to starting small is you have to start small. You have to start somewhere, along what you said earlier, baby steps. Take a hundred baby steps, you can go a really long way. I could probably maybe get to the train tracks over there. That's a, maybe that's an over assumption, but you get the point. Um, so thinking of mind, body, and spirit, and creating a diet that works with feed, all those areas can feel super overwhelming. But where I start, start small. You can start with your intention. And then the next tool that I want you to add is if you want to, you don't have to. These are just my suggestions. 30 minutes, three to five times a week. That 30 minutes can be used to sit down with your partner, just talk, check in, uninterrupted. Sit down with your kids, talk, uninterrupted. Sit down, go on a walk, or not sit down and go on a walk. Go on a walk, get outside, get active. Whatever that 30 minutes that you need, wherever you need it, put it into that aspect. And you can use it for your mind, for mindfulness, meditation, whatever that looks like. You can use it in your relationship with your partner. Sit down, talk for 30 minutes, uninterrupted. See what something small that can build. With your kids, same thing. Build those 30 minutes into your schedule. Because um, I guarantee if I took any one of our screen times in this room, we have the 30 minutes to spare. We all get our screen time reports every week. I'm not going to call anyone out. I'll put my cell phone call here. It's like five hours or six hours a day sometimes. Like it could be a lot. But I use my phone a lot. But I'll put my cell phone blast. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. But the time is there, we just have to ask ourselves, why aren't we using that time to spend more time with our partner or our kids or on our spirituality? For me, it would be praying or reading the Bible or getting involved in different activities. So, on average, the national average of screen time is five to seven hours. So again, ask yourself why and do that self-assessment of, instead of putting it where you want it to get those just be on the screen, put it back to where the area you need it and where you want to grow and develop yourself as a parent. Uh, so starting small, taking those 30 minutes, again, make sure the biggest part of it here, that 30 minutes, wherever you're spending it, is uninterrupted. Distraction free. That means no phones, no screens, do something different, get away from, change up the environment. If it's with your kids, and one thing that I work with peers and parents with is, well, I don't know what to do with my kids. Ask them. Ask your children what they want to do. Maybe they just want to go to a park. Maybe they just want to play Uno. Maybe they just want to go outside. Maybe they want to go to a trampoline park. Or maybe they just want to hang out with you. They just want to spend time with you. Ultimately, is what it comes down to. And then take for your significant other. You know, if that's your 30 minutes, ask how they want to spend it with you. What you guys can do together. How can you spend that 30 minutes? And it's just starting small, it can be 20 to 30 minutes, uh, three to five times a week, and you can build that in whatever direction you want to go. So, we're going to go into more tools. Um, so again, like I said, if something resonates with you, and you really like it, or want to take it, or use it, or you have a thought, put those tools into your tool bag and use them. Um, there's no, nothing I say that you absolutely have to or don't have to put in there. Uh, so put in any tools that you want to work on as well, um, or anything that you already feel very confident about. Uh, the next here is communication. Communication is key. 
We've all heard that probably at least 20,000 times in our lives. Communication is key. I think we've probably heard it multiple times today, even communicating with cross system partner, communicating with our YC, communicating with our fist person, communicating with all these people. There's a lot of communication we do on a daily basis. For women, it can be a little bit easier because women have on average about 30,000 words a day. For men, we say about 10,000. True. Yeah, true. So this is a that's okay. It's because we have to repeat everything. That's true. It's because you guys repeat everything to us. It's true, but there's a lot of communication. And for men, there can be a barrier there that I wanted to recognize with the 20,000 word discrepancy and how much it's said. Do you have a question? Or? Be quiet. I'm quiet. Whenever I'm about to talk, because I spend all day talking at work, I'm just exhausted from talking. I don't want to talk anymore. Um, but it's very important to communicate, especially with our kids, our partner, and in all relationships in our lives. So, and this tool around communication I'm going to share with you is from my own personal lived experience, from what I didn't do great and what I wish I would have done better, and also what I'm actively working on improving myself. So the first is when there's a fight, an argument, or a disagreement, it's okay to take space, to calm down, to go and pray, to go and sit down, to take space from the other person, if that's what you need. You don't have to hash it out right then, because if you're hashing out while you're already mad and upset, guess what, it blows up even more, and it gets even worse. Um, that's from my own personal experience. When you guys are both ready, come back, sit down, talk it out, have a conversation, you know, catch a common theme here, but talk about why you felt the way you did on the issue and then explore it, you know, talk about it, explain how you felt, why you felt that way. So while you're taking that space to calm down and to come back and just to find your ground, grounding, know, know why you felt that way about maybe something they said or something they did or why they did or didn't do something, but find that why and to be able to communicate that clearly with each other and of course from there, uh, listen, find a compromise, find your middle ground, and forgive and grow. Second here, be transparent. You don't have anything to hide. Especially from your kids, or a partner, or a really close friend, or a family member. Be transparent. Why would you want to hide your true feelings, emotions, insecurities, or anything else from someone who you know generally loves you and cares about you? That's doing both of you a disservice in the situation because you're not being your true self. You're not truly saying what you felt to be able to get better. And instead, it's just going to stay there and you're going to have the same reaction, the same thoughts, the same feelings again later. So, when you feel upset or anything or discouraged or mad or upset, or maybe you're super happy. Use that person, use those safe people in your life that you've identified, your natural support, close ones that you're able to share those parts of you with and, and share them. Talk, open up. Uh, that's what they're there for. You're there for them in that way. And it should be a two-way street. Uh, third, and this is one of my favorites. Um, we've all heard team. We're, we're on different teams. We're all part of different teams. I myself, I played um, college baseball. Uh, for a year as a freshman for an elbow injury, but I've been on teams my entire life. 
And so committing to being a team, that can be committing to being on the same team with your kids, with your family, with your partner. We're committing on being these teams. Um, and what do teams do? Do teams not talk to each other, not sit and watch tape together? Do teams just sit there and like, No, no team I've ever known, especially baseball. We're all chatting it up in the dugout. We're all getting loud, we're all getting rowdy. We're all saying, hey, the pitcher's throwing a lot of curves right now. Or his fastball's all over the place. We're communicating. We're uh, communicating with our teammates. And for me personally, I still have some really good friends who were my teammates at one point. So why not take that same commitment that you have to your teammates at one different point and apply it to these different relationships in your life. Because teammates look out for each other, they have each other's back, and they pick each other up when they're down. I remember so many times when I was an athlete, how many teammates, and I, had, I pitched a bad game. It was my junior year of high school. I had the worst outing my career, and it was in our division championship game. Like, the worst game. I walked five batters in a row, allowed a run. It was not fun. It was not pretty. I got pulled from the game. Uh, well, my teammates were there, they were like, hey, keep your head up, we're only one run down now, we'll get out of this. So we ended up winning the game still, but it was something that I held on to for a really long time. Beat myself up about going into the next season. Uh, all my teammates had forgotten, because it was just a one-time thing. Uh, and then four. Personally, I like four, four is my favorite number. Um, so you get four things here. Uh, the last one is learn to speak each other's love languages. Same love language as your kids, as your partner, as your close friends. Um, love languages are so important. And I almost feel like they're a gate-kept magic trick. Because being able to speak your partner's or kid's love language is so key. So your love language might differ, but if you're able to speak their love language to them, it goes a lot further because not only are you making an additional effort to connect with them and to show them love and care and compassion, but that gives more of yourself. And you grow as an individual as well. If you're unfamiliar with them, there's five love languages. One second. Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, gift giving, and acts of service. If you don't know yours or your partner or your kids, I personally challenge you to go and take the five love language quiz over the coming days and learn about these different areas so you can implement these different um, ways to love each other into your daily life. How am I on time? Yes, ma'am. Yes. So, and those different quizzes have different things you can click if you're doing it for a kid or with a partner or for yourself in these different aspects. So learn these different love languages. Everyone's going to be different. Yours is going to be different than Mine and mine's even different than yours, and mine's different from my fiance's, and it drives us both crazy, but it is what it is. Um, but we learn and we overcome and we learn to speak each other's love languages. Uh, the next one here, this one's really important to me, and I mentioned it a little bit um, forgiveness. When we think of forgiveness, especially as parents, we think of our little ones saying sorry and then running off. Um, my little one, my little one, my two-year-old, she's great at that. She says, sorry, dad, dad, and then runs off. Um, everything comes to glory after that. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more serious, and I have to get down and get on her level and talk really gently to her. 
really talk to her and make sure she understands like what she did and why she it was wrong or why she needs to improve it or why she needs to do something different. Uh, and again, explaining that why. So there's a why part of forgiveness as well. Uh, so we're going to do an empathy exercise kind of. So I want you to put yourself in a young parent's shoes uh, who's going through a uh, situation where they're not safe and they start pregnant, maybe 17, 18, 19 years old, age range. They barely know the person and they're also struggling with their, or this person's also struggling with their growth, their development, and you know you can't raise this child. So you give the child to your biological, to your mother, uh, the child's maternal grandmother, she raises him and you decide it's not best to be involved and you choose that path day after day up until current, present day. As parents, some of us think, how could that happen? I love my kids. I don't want to give my kids up. It's really hard. Uh, I can imagine that for my own children not being in that situation. Um, however, the situation for this, for this person was my own biological mother uh, that she was in not once but twice with myself and my half-brother. Uh, so, how am I personally supposed to forgive someone who was never there? Who abandoned me when I was really young? Who was like, yeah, I don't want this kid. I don't want this brother. And I'm also going to separate them so they never contact each other until they're in their 20s. Um, it's hard. It's really difficult. Um, and I was really glad my divorce happened when it did, because that also gave me an opportunity for further forgiveness and to explore this part of me with my mother, my biological mother, that I hadn't forgiven, that I hadn't moved on from. Uh, so, there is a method to their, or forgiveness. There's actually a forgiveness therapy model um, that I wanted to go over with you guys today. Um, and then just give my own little bit of spice on each step um, from, of course, my own first-hand experience um, not only forgiving my biological brother, but also my ex-wife um, for her actions that led to our divorce, and I'll let your mind wonder what could have happened there. Um, first part, uncovering negative emotions. Identify and express, so again, start with asking yourself why. What are the emotions here? Why am I feeling these way? What are they? Identify and express them, and why you're experiencing them. And they're due to the effects or hurt that we've suffered. For myself, I had to look within and ask myself, why? Why is this person? Why are these people? Why are they still having so much power? They're actually controlling and dictating my life. I don't want that anymore. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to my future. It's not fair to my future relationships. Um, and it's something at that time, before I went through my divorce, that I thought I was over. I guess I wasn't um, until I started, went down this path. Second is acknowledgement and acceptance. Acknowledge the impact of wrongdoing on our own emotional well-being. We're encouraged to accept our feelings and reactions as valid responses. We don't always have to be okay with someone hurting us, doing us wrong, wrongdoing. If we're angry, we're angry. If we're upset, we're upset. If we're sad, we're sad. If we're happy that it did it, okay, then we're happy that it did it, you know? Um, we accept those and we validate those to ourselves because that's what's important. We validate these feelings to ourselves. Uh, the impact on me personally was a lot of confusion, pain. When I was younger, it came with a lot of bullying because I was being raised by my grandmother and my 
grandfather who was in the home passed away when I was eight, so I was just like, why do you only have a grandma? Like, you're so weird. A bunch of different things. Kids are mean. Kids are really mean. That hasn't changed. Um, it's gotten way worse. Um, but it gave me a lot of really good things on the outside of it. It gave me grit, motivation, determination to be the best I could without her. It gave me a chip on my shoulder. Um, my feelings weren't wild. They weren't from the outback. Um, but they were holding me back from a version of myself that I would be happiest with. Three, this one's really difficult. Understanding the offender's perspective. Putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Try to understand the person's perspective who caused the hurt. This doesn't mean excusing the behavior, but gaining insight into the possible motivation, circumstances, and reason behind the action. I honestly don't think I could have understood what happened and why until I began this journey of forgiveness and understanding this when I did. And it was all meant to be for a reason. Because I'm going through a divorce, I have children now, and I can understand it a little bit more. Because I understand how difficult it is to have kids. Before I had kids, I would have never understood. It would have made sense. And then I was able to get it. Um, I was finally ready to understand that perspective. Um, fourth one, empathy and compassion. Again, very, very difficult to have empathy and compassion for someone that did you wrong. Maybe it was a case manager, maybe it was a process department we were working with that really just let you down, hurt you, and failed you. Maybe it was a therapist that broke HIPAA with your child for some reason, or broke privacy, or said something to someone they weren't supposed to, or a family member, or someone that you were supposed to be able to trust. Um, we're encouraged to develop empathy and compassion towards the offender. This doesn't necessarily mean condoning their actions, but recognizing their shared humanity and the potential for change and growth. This part was the hardest part for me personally. How could I have compassion for someone who literally, when I was 15 years old, told me to my face, I don't love you, I wish you were never born. How do you do that? It's hard. It's really hard. Um, but that leads to part five, which is decision to forgive. It's an active decision. We have to continue to forgive. Even at the beginning, we're not going to feel like we want to forgive them. We can say to them, I forgive you. And then 10 days later, I forgive you. Until it's every day after that, every moment we see them, or we feel triggered, or something they did causes us to feel triggered in another instance in our life. That active decision to forgive. It's an ongoing, it's not a one-stop shop. It's an ongoing effort to go down the path of healing and let go of that negativity. It's also, from there, working through the grief and loss. Uh, for me, I lost my, my, my mother, my biological mother. At least that's what I thought. I always thought for years until I was an adult that I didn't have a traditional mom. And after my, my divorce, I thought women were awful. Um, I was super wrong. I was so wrong. Because that led me to releasing the resentment. I let go of the resentment and I began to find that I was blessed beyond belief with females and other mother figures that were there the entire time that I took for granted. My grandma, my aunt, my stepmom when I lived with my dad. So many other wonderful women that were just in my community helping me and there for me. Best friends moms, who this, that I called Mama C or 
Mama Wood or all the different people who were there for me and loved me and supported me in that role um, because they saw that I didn't have that. So they stepped up and they were there for me and they supported me and they gave me that love that, you know, a mother can and only a mother can. Um, and so I, you know, at heart, part of me was like, I resented some of these women because they weren't my mother. However, looking back now, they were everything and more than I could have ever asked for and more than I was ever going to have with my biological mother. Because I got so many more opportunities to have mother figures. Uh, returning narrative, you know, like, like I was just saying, I was so lucky to be raised by strong women, have my grandma, my aunt, my stepmom, and other amazing mother figures and female role models that helped shape me into this person that stands here today. Uh, lastly, find meaning and healing. I found the meaning, I found my why, and it was bigger than I could have imagined. Uh, why I didn't have a biological mother, why my divorce happened was all because there was something more, something better that was in store for me. And then lastly, the very last step there is reconciliation, if appropriate. I don't plan on reconciling with my biological mother, and I definitely don't plan on reconciling with my ex-wife. Uh, but it can be a part in this for some, but not for all. Um, so, next, everyone grab a piece of paper, and I want each of you guys to write down one thing, big or small, that you feel you need to forgive or let go of. After that, on your way out of here today, so keep that paper, don't put it in your tool bag, just write it down, and then on your way out of here today, I want you to throw it in the trash can. Okay, start in the trash and physically let it go. And when you release that thing, as you do it in your head, make that choice today to start that forgiveness, to start that healing on that part. And take that load off your shoulders and know that's okay. Um, and know that you're forgiven for not being perfect. You're human. You're not perfect. You never will be. You're never going to be the perfect partner, the perfect parent, friend, child, coworker or whatever, whatever title you may hold. Uh, so make sure you forgive yourself. How are we doing on time? I think I have a little bit longer, because we started late. Uh, so I'll speak through this one. The next part of this is eliminate excuses. Uh, some days you run on 15%, 30%, 81.2%, or whatever the tank might be at today. Can honestly tell you, my tank's not at 100% today. Um, I probably shouldn't have worked out at 6.30 this morning before coming in today and I ate a lot of carbs at lunch. Probably not the best idea on my part, but that's okay. Um, we often feel we're running on a partial tank because how often do we as parents feel we have 100% in the tank? Rarely. What's that I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Um, but that's okay because you're 38%. That's enough. Your 38% is all you got. All you got is 38%. Give 100% of that 38%. And that's okay. That's enough. Um, so what if the toys are still on the ground? Guess what that means? The kids have fun playing. And the laundry isn't done? That means your kids have something close to wear. And things have been getting washed or you haven't put away. Means you still have clean clothes and the means to do so. Sink is filled with dishes? You probably need a delicious home-cooked meal. That was so good. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, that was the best thing ever. None of your kids said they hated it. They all ate all their food and it was amazing. Um, 
So eliminate those excuses that you're failing as a parent because some of the household chores aren't done. You're not failing, you're actually way beyond succeeding because your kids are happy, fed, and clothed, and you're meeting their needs. Exactly for what they have. Um, let's see here. Of course. Sometimes you just have to eliminate it all together. You eliminate the excuse. Yeah, and sometimes you have to take what you do have and apply it to the areas that need it the most. Again, it goes back to asking yourself, why? Why am I spending so much time, energy, effort, and brain power, and I only have 33% energy? Why am I spending it here when I could need to be spending it over here instead? So, Another area that my mind goes to when I'm thinking of eliminating excuses is feeling alone and having to do it all on my own. We're not alone, we don't always have to do it by ourselves. We don't have to do it by ourselves. We always have our sense of self-love, we have our friends, our family, our kids, and those we have chosen to have in our lives who are there for us. They care for us, and if they didn't, they probably wouldn't still be around for you. Um, the next thought I have is the people who are there for me, but where is my support system? How do I know if they're there for me to not feel alone or they support me? I have a support system, you have a support system, we all have support systems. It could be one person, it could be work friends, family, or friends from childhood at a different point. Honestly, they're there. It's up to you to realize that and for you to use them. Being willing to trust, to rely on them, and to open up to people when you need the support. Just had this conversation recently with a peer that I work with. She was really starting to say, I don't have anybody. I'm like, what about his grandpa? What about his other grandpa? What about his grandma? She's like, well, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, but it's okay to ask them for help. They're struggling with him. Ask them for help that he you need them to take him for a weekend so that you can have a small little break and get away. Use your natural supports and rely on them. Um, so limit those excuses. Um, if you're struggling, make sure you call on those who are there for you. Lean on those natural supports and lean into them. Next is celebrate your wins. This is probably one of my favorite parts, is to celebrate your wins that we talked about earlier today. Um, I promise I didn't carbon copy, like get his notes earlier and then apply it to what I was going to say. I promise this, I, what I thought was original work, is, I guess isn't. Um, but take the time to see your wins. Celebrate them, forgive yourself, and be patient when you fail or when you fall short. Remember, and this is one of my favorite things I say to myself all the time, Rome wasn't built in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. You'll become the best version of yourself after a while. Brick by brick, moment by moment, choice by choice. Um, did you show love in your kids' love language today? That's a win. Were you more gentle with your kids today? That was a win. Were you more graceful towards yourself and gave yourself forgiveness? That's a win. Did you spend 30 fewer minutes on your phone and 30 minutes more with your kids today? That's a win. Did you cook a delicious dinner and everyone enjoyed it? That's a win. Did you get some laundry done? That's a win. Did you take the trash out? That's a win. Did you shower today? That's a win. These are all wins. And they all stack up into big moments and they build our own personal confidence. No matter how big or how small, wins a win, and it doesn't have to be working out for 30 days consistently before you celebrate. 
You could have gone four days in a row. That's a win. These are all wins. The wins look different for everybody, but a win's a win for you. So celebrate each win and celebrate each awesome thing that you're doing. And don't be afraid to give the credit where the credit is due to yourself, to your kids, to your partner. When you see the effort, appreciate the effort and reciprocate it. And it goes both ways. Okay, I'm going to speak through this one because I think I'm getting close on time. But uh, stay present and show up. Again, so back to you, we're going to apply 30 minutes three to five times a week tool that I referenced earlier. First of it, don't overthink it. I know these here said the number seriously, don't overthink it. As my six-year-old likes to say, it's not that deep. The kids are saying it's not that deep, but it's really not. When you think about it, it's not that deep. Um, second here is if you're struggling with staying present and showing up because you don't know what to do, ask your kids what they want to do. And when you go and spend that time together, take it seriously and engage with them. Play with them. Be silly with them. Read with them. Make funny voices. Be the characters. Bring the stories to life. Bring the engagement to life. Um, add some color to, to the life. And use your imagination. Have fun. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to be the big kid on the playground. Um, trust me, I know. Um, you're the cool one. All the other kids want to play with you. Um, and then it's a little weird because you're the one dad on the playground playing with all the kids and it's a little weird. I haven't got to come tell them yet, but I'm messing around, I'm messing around. Um, step three, and this just goes right into one and two. Put your freaking phone down and leave it. Put your screen down. If you take your kids to the park and you sat on your bench the whole time instead of engaging with them after you asked them what they wanted to do, why didn't you just stay home and let them play? What's the difference? You're, you're doing the same thing in both places. You only change the scenery. They're doing the same thing they could have done in both. What they really wanted to do was play with you and have fun with you. Yes? Unless you're taking silly photos, and that's part of what you're doing. So unless it's part of what you're doing, put it down. It's okay. Those notifications, Instagram, can wait. Um, you can post later about how much fun you have. Um, step four, step up and say yes. You can only step up and coach part of the team and commit that much time and energy. Um, you can't step up and coach the whole team and commit all that time and energy, but you commit to being an assistant, maybe a field helper, or maybe volunteering at a school event for cleanup, or um, you can help with organizing, or you can provide a donation because you're great at making cinnamon rolls. I make great cinnamon rolls, homemade cinnamon rolls. So that's like my contribution. They don't travel well, <laughs> so, uh, plus I didn't know how many I would make, like this, like making for this many people here would have taken like all two days, um, a lot of yeast to raise, um, but it would have been fun, maybe someday, but step up and say yes where you can, wherever you have the energy and capacity, personally I say yes probably too much, where I'm over involved, um, but that's okay because I'd rather be where I can be. I like to be in the front row, which leads me to step five. Show up when it's your time to show up. Let's say you're part of whatever activity, or you're a single parent or co-parent, like myself, you're part of that club. Um, you're either the one taking them, or you're the one showing up. So many parents, and specifically for myself as a dad, 
I commit to never missing a, a game, a play, or X, Y, Z activity. Whatever it is, I'm going to be there, or I'm going to be on the stage, I'm going to be backstage, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in the front row. I'm going to be in the front row of the bleachers. I'm going to be in the front row of the stands. At the kindergarten graduation last year, can you any of you guys guess where I was? In the front row. Smack dab there in the middle, making eye contact with my kid the whole time. Like, you better sing that song. Um, um, but it's so important to look for your kid to look out to the crowd and see your face there, especially in the front. It gives them a sense of relief to where they're like, oh, now they can relax and they see you. Yes. Yes. I'm pretty sure I wore this shirt to kindergarten graduation, so double whammy. Um, let's see. But yeah, your child, they want to feel loved, supported, and like you care um, because you took your time and energy to be there for them. To you, it's just time and a few dollars, maybe. To your kid, it's everything. It's everything. So, wrap up here, be dedicated. Um, as we dedicate ourselves to prioritizing our time, we quickly, we quickly see where the things that bring us happiness and value are and where the things that don't are as well. As we reflect, um, you know, I want you to continue to add to your tool bag, take these tool bags with you. When you get into a moment and you're like, what tool do I use? Pull out something from your tool bag. Add to your tool bag at home. Use this as an interactive tool um, that you use in your day-to-day -day parenting. And remember, it doesn't... And remember to keep it simple. Kiss it. I think that's an old military expression. Kiss it. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. Keep, I didn't know I'm not calling any of you. I promise you guys are all brilliant individuals. Keep it simple. All I heard keep it simple, stupid. Um, but maybe that was just me. It doesn't have to be big or excessive, but what matters is what you are doing and who you're doing it with. Be dedicated, loyal, and fully present. By doing this, you'll see what's truly valuable in your life. Our time and money should not be spent, and I don't like sending people, um, but don't spend it on anything that won't bring you the value and the joy that you want to get out of it. Um, if nothing else, out of all of this, oh, I'm going to say that one, actually. Uh, consistency is key. Make sure you show up the same every day for yourself, for your partner, your kids, your family, your work, and be authentic so people can't help but talk positively about you. Keep your head up, you got this, and it's just gonna take time to build that consistency and to continue to work for who you want to be. Um, believe in you, because I believe in you, and though you have plenty of people cheering for you as well. Uh, so the ball's in your court now. I've given you some tools, uh, I've given you hopefully some of my hopeless confidence, um, and maybe some, somewhere to start small, taking some small steps. Remember, it's not gonna happen overnight, not going to be easy. You're going to fail. You're going to want to quit and give up. And you're going to struggle along the way. That's just part of it. And that's the fun part. Because what comes after it is going to be so much fun. If it's hard now, it'll be easy later. If you fail now, you're going to succeed later. If you don't quit, you will overcome. If you struggle, you're human. The struggles and weaknesses will become strengths in time. Again, the ball's in your court. Time to start shooting, and if you suck, it's only for a time because practice will get you better. And just remember, lastly here, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. 
and you only get so much in this lifetime, so please don't let it go to waste. You got this. That's it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Any questions, or I don't know what questions you could ask.